Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is geek. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Behind every Starfleet engineer or tactical officer, there's a woman rolling her eyes. Actor, writer, on-camera producer for ShuttlePod from Hartford, Connecticut, by way of Los Angeles, California. It's Erica LaRose. Yay! <laughs> hey. 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 Good to be here. Thank you so much for carving out the time. It's uh, I'm sure you are up to your eyeballs with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we are very busy. Very, very busy. But it's awesome and fun. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, you know, let's not wait. Let's bring in your partner in crime. He might not be the Wizard of Oz, but he's definitely that man behind the curtain. Shuttlepod's off-camera producer, also from the City of Angels. It's Mark Cartier. Yay! Yay! <laughs> hey mark how you doing man i'm pretty excellent thank you how are you oh i am well uh both of you thank you thank you thank you so much right here at the top for carving out the time i know uh just from looking at the level of production of shuttle pod show you guys have probably are probably up to your eyeballs 24 7 365 it seems like Is that, am i in the ballpark yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a job um, that doesn't stop especially for him yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask, uh, you know, let's let's dive right in. Uh, you guys are sort of, uh, you know, behind the scenes of Shuttlepod Show, which is uh, a podcast with uh, Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating from Star Trek Enterprise. Kind of a retrospective, you know, swapping of war stories, uh, you know, sitting with occasional guests uh, from that made appearances on Enterprise. Like, uh, how did how did. How did you guys become involved in that? And what is your role specifically with the show? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) So Connor Trenier has been a good friend of mine uh, for a good while. Uh, He's one of my closest friends. So um, one day while playing pool and having a whiskey, he asked me a couple of, because I'm a producer, I produce movies. We had actually met when Enterprise was shooting. Uh, I was working at Paramount at the time, uh, and uh, he mentioned, uh, he asked some questions about doing a podcast, and I I put my pool cue down, and I picked up my glass of whiskey, and I was like, Connor Trenier, if you do a podcast, I'm producing it. (laughs) You do not do a Star Trek podcast (laughs) without me producing it. Oh, Uh, yeah. And uh, the moment I realized he was interested in doing something like that, I just went into overdrive and tried to put a concept together and, you know, try to pull it together. And then we got Dominic uh, uh, interested. And um, then before you knew it, we've got guests in a studio space and equipment. And uh, it's for me, Star Trek is a passion 
uh, of mine. Uh, it's a big part of the reason I live in Los Angeles and and produce uh, film and television. So uh, to do a Star Trek show is really, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's kind of, I'm living out a childhood dream right now. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, in listening to the show, when it gets to the trivia section and we hear your answer and a little bit extra, I'm like, uh, somebody's a big Star Trek fan for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, uh, you know, at what point did you um, get involved in the production side and wind up taking the the role of of ringmaster for, for <laughs> lack of for lack of better term uh sort of wrangling these uh wrangling these big personalities how'd that come to be yeah well I don't um know when exactly you guys had your pool night but I was there uh during pre-production before the first uh, episode she's been there since then. the, the very so, early on yeah, yeah. Well, one yeah. of the first things I said was it can't just be you and Dominic and me in a room Geek, you know, geeking out on Star Trek. You guys being cool actor types, cool TV stars, and me being like the Star Trek nerd giggling in the corner. <laughs> we need uh, someone uh, who is uh, can counterbalance all of that masculinity. Someone who's beautiful and well-spoken and um, uh, who can serve as a perspective of the audience. Yeah. And I'm a new Star Trek fan, right? So it kind of gives a different perspective as well. I, I everything's really fresh for me. Um, he got me into Star Trek, so <laughs> that's um, cool. And that yeah. was before the show even was in pre-production. I was falling asleep to episodes way back then. It's so only because he put them on late, not because they're not good. <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I will never I will never give anybody sideways glance for having Star Trek as a white noise show because. Yeah. I'll, and I'll be honest, um, I was raised on TNG and um, it wasn't until much later, I was actually working a third shift job. And so I would get home at like eight or nine in the morning, but on DVR, um, our little DVR recorder had gotten whatever episodes of Enterprise. See, I didn't watch Enterprise in its first run. I caught it reruns on Sci-Fi Channel after the oh, fact. Yeah. Um. So... Enterprise, because I was a fan of Star Trek, but it was just never, you know, I, I wasn't clued into Enterprise. But once I finally discovered it, I was kind of like, oh, they have pockets and it's basically a submarine in space. And, you know, seeing all this stuff and I was like, OK, so prequel. Got it. And uh, just I just fell in love with it, you know, pretty quick. And uh, when I would get home from my third shift job, it was my. It was my wind down show. It was, you know, sort of like, okay, here's the, here's, here's your lullaby. Here's your Star Trek Enterprise lullaby. Um, Erica, you mentioned that you're a new fan of Trek. Uh, was JJ Abrams stuff uh, your intro or was it one of the shows or? Uh, was well, it was, it was Enterprise that we first started watching. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that's why it is one of my favorites. Um, I, I, I don't know. Well, also, we're good friends with Connor and Dominic. I know, but it's <laughs> it's not like I'm like just uh, trying to support my friends. It's I really like that show. Yeah, it's really it's, good. And it's like a lullaby, like you said. Like it is somewhat relaxing just watching Enterprise. Yeah, um, you know. So you uh, your show is about uh, reviewing Star Trek in chronological order. Well, uh, when I decided I wanted to introduce her uh, to Star Trek, 
I had that debate that a lot of Star Trek fans have when they're getting someone else into it. Should I go in chronological order or Where should to start? I go in, you know, the, you know, order of uh, real life, you know, the original series followed yeah. by the next generation, followed by Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we talked about that a, bu- a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, we also had this uh, friends. <laughs> yeah, right. Started. You know, I'd, I've talked with enough people that I've I think I've gotten someone from every starting point of Star Trek, you know, be it one of the shows or the cartoons, even like the original animated series or the films, even some of the old school films. Like Wrath of Khan is pretty accessible. You don't really have to have a lot of deep knowledge to kind of get what's going on. And that's probably part of the reason it's a, it's one of the more successful films uh, because it's so accessible. But uh, Mark, you strike me as either TNG or TOS, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah, you got it. Correct. That is accurate. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. Do you uh, have TNG a... was what was on, but then there were always two episodes of the original series on after it when I was a kid. Right. Where uh, do was... you do you have an earliest like core Star Trek memory of like I, I remember sitting in uh, you know Grandma Grandpa's house or you know I remember after dinner with Mom and Dad we'd watch Star Trek. Do you have any sort of memories like that of Star Trek? I remember trying to avoid my stepmother and hiding in the basement <laughs> and there would be an episode of the next generation on. And then, uh, uh, like I said, two episodes of the original series and, you know, Star Trek, yeah, Star Trek to the rescue. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Nice. Yeah. I, basement I... next to uh, a, like an, a child's imaginarium, right? Like I was in a, an old basement in Northern Minnesota where, uh, you know, uh, the furnace was a converted coal furnace. Uh, and so there was an old chute and all the infrastructure oh, wow. for that. And there was the big like, window, the glass window where you used to open it and throw the coal in and yeah. shut it. you could see the fire. So even when it now that it had been converted to gas, it was still there was this flame in this window and it would put all the lights into this dank basement and, and oh that's cool in the corner and watch it on this old that's that's where. prime real estate for imagination play for yeah. sure oh that's awesome yeah i uh i've always described uh picard as very much the voice the stern but reassuring voice i needed as a young man yeah. um and uh deanna troy was a big factor in uh my oh, yeah. my growing up as well uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, was it because she could read your mind uh, yes yes exactly <laughs> that would scare the that would scare the living daylights out of me i can read your mind oh. <laughs> <laughs> that really caught me off guard <laughs> sorry <laughs> so you know with discovery being sort of the beginning of a new chapter of the franchise. Do you guys recall seeing that first episode for the first time? It was on CBS All Access back before it was Paramount Plus. But do you guys have some early memories of that, of seeing that for the first time? Well, I remember getting, when Discovery came out, I was still at Paramount. You were? Yeah, because I left at the end of 2015, 14. Okay. When did Discovery come out? I thought it 20, was bit... 2017. 17. Yeah. So, okay, it was not. So, no. yeah. No. Um, but I, I got to imagine pre production was well underway. 
So I, uh, it, I knew about it and all of that. And uh, it was at the time that the streaming services were starting to happen. Like, okay, this, ah. this is a thing that's going to happen. They're all going to have their own. Uh, and I got an all, a CBS All Access uh, pass, like a trial month or something so that I could. And I remember trying to wait until as many episodes as possible were uh, live before I, I don't know. I just didn't want to subscribe to another. Anyway, it was a whole yeah. rigmarole. I was trying to math the most efficient way to view Discovery. Of course. So I didn't see it when it first came out, like the night it went live, and that really bothered me. Um, you start and then I didn't actually get to see the rest of the season until like a year later or something. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a pause break for sure. Jeez. Well, I wasn't I... really interested in CBS, but I when Paramount Plus like combined all of the. Uh, you know, Paramount Television Group uh, and Studios uh, uh, Intellectual Property, then it was like, okay, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest, when I first got CBS All Access, it was, um, I was like, oh, well, all the Star Trek stuff is there. Great. Yeah. And I like football enough to watch an occasional game. Yeah. So I was like, well, CBS has, you know, like a, a decent selection like of NFL as well. Games, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And you know, again, I I still I I still have the cheap version. I still have the version with commercials. So it's <laughs> it's fine for me. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm also in that area of swapping logins with people. <laughs> ah, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, may, may have just doubted myself. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone I know is one of those. Right, right. It's kind of hard not, you know, when you got somebody who's who's got the, you know, the inside track of like, oh, well, I invested in, you know, this one. It was like, oh, not wow, to out Connor and Dominic, but they are <laughs> on my Paramount Plus. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is oh, it free? Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, like I can't find this episode of Deep Space Nine because you know, uh, Andy Robinson's our next guest. Can you? What's going on? Can you? Is, did you change the password or something? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's so funny. Oh man. Yeah. Everyone's offered me their passwords. I'm not out there bugging, so <laughs> now she's bragging. Oh uh, no, okay. I'm not. I don't have to that, ask for it. Password. I I don't I don't need to ask for Paramount Plus logins. I've got that well in hand. <laughs> 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 well uh so let me ask you this um mark you mentioned am, am i right that you had never seen the 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 short trek that we that we talked about had you watched had you watched those at all i am i knew that they existed but i've never watched any of the trek shorts to be um, honest they uh you know I, i'm kind of brokenhearted that they stopped after i think there's only like 12 of them i was like oh, oh i thought there was more i thought they were no. still doing them yeah, I, as far as I know, there was, I think the first season, there's only like five or six. And I think the second season is roughly about the same amount. And uh, I was always, you know, because I'm on a, another podcast called Cinema Shock and we cover genre film history. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's I great. I just produced a movie called Glorious with Barbara Crampton uh, and with... Uh, um, jk simmons was in it uh Ooh. fantastic yeah Bar barbara was a producer on it not in the movie uh, nice. but uh, i was also worked on a movie uh but she wasn't that she was in yeah. her previous movie jacob's wife uh nice yeah, yeah i we just finished our um i say just finished probably about a month ago we finished our james cameron series we covered his entire 
entire oh, filmography. That was a lot. Yeah, um, and, and thank God you got done with it before Avatar 2 and 3 came out, or you'd have to deal with that living nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, the the notes that I sent you are roughly five, six, maybe seven pages, I think. My buddy, Justin, who's the film historian on the show, his notes usually come in about nine to 10 or 11 pages per episode for the James Cameron series. I think each set of notes was well over 15 pages and we were just, yeah, just going through a lot of stuff. Yeah. But we just finished James Cameron and now we're, we're about two thirds of the way through our Sam Raimi series. So that's, that's Ooh, that sounds like an awesome one. That, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, especially, you know, because James Cameron's stuff's very, it's cool, it's sci-fi, but it's very, like, serious, whereas Sam Raimi, not so much. <laughs> yeah, he's a goof. Yeah, uh, big time. <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun, and also you talking about your uh, your uh, script notes here, your episode uh, layout. Yeah. Uh, I was very glad to see it, because I wanted to compare it to ours. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Okay. I yeah, I would definitely yeah. love to uh, you know uh, share brain pans about because I mean I definitely know I know what you're talking about when when you're saying you know keeping the page count down because I try real hard to keep ours down to like three pages. Yeah, I think you know anytime that I do two episodes because of the stat section, I do like to give you know the character actors and folks behind the scenes at least a little bit of a you know of an attaboy as it were with, you know, their career and everything, because it's rare that somebody just pops onto star Trek, you know, like they, they've got a career leading up to it most of the time. Yeah. And some of these folks, I, I love character actors just cause they just oh. disappear in and out of the roles and stuff like yeah. that. When I talked with Spencer Garrett, um, who was in the drum head on TNG and everything, he, you know, I knew him from um, obviously TNG and, um, and Air Force One, and then I was like, you know what? I let me pull up his resume, and holy crap! <laughs> it was just like, oh, everything. So you've just been in everything for the last thirty-five years. <laughs> but um, yeah, these these episodes are really fascinating because we're we've, we're getting a lot of new elements that are kind of. I feel like it's what the franchise has been building towards, you know through the 60s into the 80s and 90s and even with enterprise i feel like all of it has kind of set the stage for this first big chapter in discovery we've got you know a different perspective in that we're following the first officer um you know we get yep. some uh some really heavy action uh right at right at the top and right on the gate. yeah yeah and it they hit they hit the gas running <laughs> and it pretty much doesn't stop until probably the end of episode two but uh yeah this is this has been fascinating to revisit and i'm super excited to dive in but before we get to any well, but more the discovery i'm sorry yeah go ahead i just get no excited. no no no, no. Like <laughs> no go for it go for it go up in star trek discovery until like the second or third episode yeah yeah like, <laughs> yeah like Talk about a slow burn. Yeah, yeah it was so good. Yeah. And then just the, and I mean, even from a production standpoint of, uh, you know, the, uh, the set decoration, the lighting, the camera techniques, uh, the costumes, holy crap, the costumes um, is just hands down. It's just kind of like 
it's like Paramount double and tripled down on this new on this new chapter of Star Trek. And in my estimation, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased, but it feels like they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I really like the new Star Trek uh, stuff, all of it. I think you know it explores Picard explores some of the darker, you know, a little more post-apocalyptic future that Star Trek never really got into yeah. the side of, you know, the software futures, I call it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the eighties was all about the disgusting industrialized future with, you know, uh, ocean walls everywhere and giant smokestack factories everywhere. But, and, but then Star Trek was the software version of the future where everything is a park and computers are like apples and they're pretty and they just work and yeah. they take everything for us. Um, so Picard kind of brings us back into a little bit of that, you know, the terror of space, which I was really pleased to see. Some people aren't fans of it, but I really am enjoying it. And yeah, I feel really like I feel like the big thing with New Trek is that there is a Trek for every mood. It's yeah. you know, there's there's something for everybody, and there's yeah, Brave uh, New Worlds. Yeah, Strange New Strange oh, New Worlds is world. uh, you know what? It's well, so good. I, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's so, it's better. It's really, and I've said this and I mean this in the most loving way possible. It's better than it has any reason to be like it, like it shouldn't be that good. And it is. So anyway, well, before we start running away with new Trek and before we get any deeper into discovery, let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Dad! Michael! Michael, I'm here. It's okay. It's okay. What, what, what is it? It was so scary. It was so scary. Shadow again, huh? Computer aluminum. I mean, lo- um, Illuminate? That's what I said. Make it brighter. Computer illuminate. A young girl's father eases her fear of the dark by telling her a story about a young African girl. In the story, the girl's people fear the dark because of a predatory night beast, but she braves the night and discovers an alien that gifts her new light. The girl uses this to create the stars and grows up to be a warrior queen. Years later... Captain, where are we going? We have no map, and you can't set a course without a star. It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. Commander Burnham. I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. Tutor transport. Great unifiers are few and far between, but they do come. Often such leaders will need profound cause for their followers to rally around. What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. We've come all this way, Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is unknown. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Computer, enable igniter. Context our fleet command. We have engaged the Klingons. 
never learn, Vulcan. Your tongue is too human. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all of you. We target its neck, cut off its head. Starfleet doesn't fire first. We have to. My people were biologically determined for one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. Klingons rally around their leader, Tukugma, who follows the teachings of the ancient Klingon leader Kales and preaches against the actions of the United Federation of Planets. It's May 11th, 2256. The future! The Shenzhou investigates a damaged interstellar relay in deep space and discover an unidentified object. Without a clear reading of the object, cautious Kelpian science officer Saru advises leaving the area. The young girl, Michael Burnham, now the XO of the USS Shinzu, disagrees and dons an EVO suit to investigate in spite of the dangerous radiation from a nearby binary star system. She finds the object to be covered in ancient carvings and guarded by an armed Klingon. When the Klingon attacks, Burnham uses her suit to escape and accidentally kills him. She later awakens back on the Shinzu while being treated for acute radiation sickness. The Klingons hold a memorial service for their dead comrade, a torchbearer. Burnham warns the Shinzu's captain, Philip of Georgiou, of her encounter with the Klingon, and though Saru suggests that she's confused due to her injuries, Georgiou believes her and locks weaponry on the object. Hukuvma was expecting this, and reveals their cloaked vessel. The Klingons debate attacking the Federation ship, but Takuvma is looking to fulfill an ancient prophecy by having the torchbearer light a beacon and unite the great Klingon houses. Volk, an outcast with no house of his own, volunteers to be the new torchbearer and activates the beacon, sending light and signals from the carved object. Starfleet orders the Shinzu to wait for reinforcements. Burnham contacts her adopted father, Sarek, who believes that the Klingons must have a new leader who could be looking to bring order to the Klingon Empire, which has been in disarray for centuries. I mean, it should be. He also explains that his species are in the respect of the Klingons by firing on them first whenever they met. Burnham recommends this action to Giorgio, but the captain refuses. Sucks! Burnham uses a Vulcan nerve pinch on her captain and takes command of the ship ordering an attack on the Klingon vessel. Giorgio recovers in time to stop the attack, just as several more Klingon vessels arrive. Great. So yeah, we see, uh, like I said, right off the bat, we get some heavy action. Yeah. And a freaking mutiny on our yeah. hands. Like, I don't think, I mean, there's been times where like a captain's lost control of the ship for a while, but like, this is flat out mutiny. Has, has, there, has there been a lot of mutinies? Throughout the franchise, I'm struggling to... I know Data took over the ship at one point to return back to Sung. But that was that, programming. That wasn't his decision. Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't really count. Uh, Kirk Kirk and crew mutinies uh, in Star Trek. They disobeyed direct order to travel back in time to find a humpback whale and save Earth. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's technically mutiny. 
Um, yeah. Uh, well, they also in Star Trek Three, so they uh, steal the Enterprise. They steal, uh, yeah, they steal it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. What were you know? What were your initial thoughts about you know this whole episode, especially you know? I mean, this episode aired back to back with uh the next one uh battle of the binary stars so we kind of had both of those to digest at one point um but looking at everything that we see right off the bat um i'll focus on you know michelle yo uh Sonequa martin green doug jones they they you know take a big chunk of the focus here in addition to everything that's happening within the narrative like what what was it like getting this for the first time and then revisiting it now like how how is how is this all sitting with you well i mean as someone for me personally i don't know uh, it I, i've seen every frame of every star trek up to that point and star trek was a certain thing yeah uh and then discovery happened and it was it i almost it was almost like do i even know what's going on right now like right. I was almost confused by just the intensity of it. Yeah. Uh, and it, like I said, it was a show about a ship called the discovery and it was just not showing up. It was yeah, not, it's not there. Like, where's the ship yeah. <laughs> that yeah. the show is named after <laughs> yeah. uh, all these incredibly uh, consequential things are happening. And the namesake of the show isn't there. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot that, you know, that was maybe, uh some brilliant writing uh in hindsight because they were trying to squarely make the show uh, about her about uh burnham yeah um you know a, a, sh a show following a, f a first officer fallen from grace and then uh uh you know resurrecting her herself yeah uh, it's um maybe that was why but or maybe they just needed to start with a bang because as you said it was the first uh, star trek series in a very long time in, in you know how many years exactly? Oh, uh, well, well seven, Enterprise ended uh, in 05, and then JJ's stuff came out in 09. Yeah, uh, but those were just movies. So yeah. there's a gap in the series that for was a long time. Uh, it's okay. 12 years long. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. a decade. I think, you know, I, I think that they've made such a great stride. You know, looking at TNG, where when we first get to TNG, it's. Oh, there's a counselor on board, like mental health is becoming more prevalent and part of the conversation. And then, you know, we jump to here with uh, with discovery and we've got new things to discuss. And I've I actually talked a lot about this while we were covering Enterprise, um, the journey without and the journey within. And I feel like discovery is focused on the journey within. And it's, you know not knowing what you're going to do until presented with those dire circumstances. I, I'm sure Burnham never thought of considering mutiny until it was presented. And I feel like that was her first big shocking discovery for her journey within is I love these people so much. This is the route I'm willing to take to save them because I mean, that yeah. was the, that was this thing is she was so, she was so emphatic of I'm trying to save all of you. Yeah. And it well, just, you, and it, it just didn't work. <laughs> right. To, oh, to what degree did it not work? Uh, the, right. 
you you know the social relevant tropes social relevancy tropes that star trek has always been known for right like uh in the cold war it was about having you know in the 60s in the original series it was about having um women and people of color and and like even russians uh who in the 60s that was like what uh that's a big deal place. yeah working yeah. together and being te team and, and all in places of leadership and um you know the first interracial kiss all that kind of stuff and the next generation <laughs> you just mentioned it next generation put a counselor on the bridge of the enterprise and mental yeah. health was an important thing and that was socially relevant at the time um one of the things that uh, barnum burnham herself says uh when she's disagreeing with the order to do nothing um uh in response to this potential klingon threat she uh, you know he says to her the admiral what's his face says something to her along the lines of uh uh, uh, you of all people should know, uh, understand the consequences of, you know, whatever it's a, it's a race, a, a, a comment on her race and, mm. uh, you know, being a human raised by Balkans and, and she reminds him and he kind of just blows her off, but she reminds him that it's not a question of race. Uh, it's a question of, uh, culture, yep. you know, and it yeah. feels like that it was, it was a very non soapboxy way to address kind of what I think we're going through culturally um now i think it's very relevant now like uh, some of the issues that we face as the world gets smaller and smaller because of technology is the culture clash mm. oh yeah you know culture different cultures just do things different ways and i don't like we confuse very easily uh those sorts of um uh headbutting or conflict with racism uh yeah. and I, you know i think if we saw it as cultural differences and tried to understand took the, an opportunity to understand where the culture's coming from, instead of just shrieking and pointing, uh, we would avoid things, uh, disastrous outcomes like the Klingon war with the Federation. Yeah. I've, I've said on the show multiple times, and I'd, I may end up getting it on a, on a t-shirt. If we stand a chance of reaching the stars, we have to reach sideways first. Yeah. Nobody gets there alone. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, all the things and I've, <laughs> and, and again, here's another thing that's floored me of uh, old school, hardcore trekkers who come to me with like, what are they, what's all this preaching about different peoples and stuff like that? I don't want to say, have you not been watching Star Trek? <laughs> this isn't anything new. Yeah, like right. we've always, Infinite diversity and infinite yeah. combinations. Like Spock said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think it meant? <laughs> <laughs> oh man um he just liked cowboy kirk and the pretty ladies right right what does dominic I mean, call them all the time shifad shifad clad ladies yes something like that is that a shifad i assume is a garment Sounds chiffon, like chiffon chiffon yeah yeah absolutely it's uh you know when we when we had our fantasy draft uh episode it was kind of fun to see who got chosen first for the different teams but then also hearing why people chose certain people for command of their ship. A buddy of mine chose Worf as his captain. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh. And, then, and then Odo as first officer. I was like, whoa, where are you going with this, man? This is this is awesome. I chose... Uh, I that's chose... going to be a strict ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I chose Will Riker as my captain because I was like, well, he's kind of a mesh between Kirk and Picard. Like that's, I feel like Riker's kind of the best of both, but you know, it's interesting to see how all these things work together. And I feel like for a long time, I felt like Janeway was kind of 
the mom of Starfleet. I've changed my opinion since it's it's more that she's the shepherd in my mind. She's the shepherd because she gets her flock home. Um, but anyways, uh, but I get some really big mom vibes from Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio. And, you know, I think maybe not with the entire crew, but definitely Burnham with, Burnham. yeah, definitely with yeah. Burnham. Um, oh, and it's reciprocated. Yeah, totally reciprocated. Yeah, yeah. Dude. She spent so much energy in that first season, and uh, you know, spoiler alert, but she's like tr- in uh, trying to get dark mirror, uh, dark uh, uh, universe version of her home with her. Uh, yeah, because she yeah. lost Michelle in the in the uh, what first or second episode? Second episode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's. It's interesting to see that I I think of, you know, my parents or parental figures and their influence Mm -hmm. on my fandom. Did anybody, parents or otherwise, play a role in sort of the nurturing of your fandoms at all? (laughs) Well, uh, like I said at the top, uh, I was trying to avoid my stepmother. (laughs) So that's certainly my fandom of Star Trek. Yeah dealing with that <laughs> if you want i it's i'm sorry i i, I got oh no, 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 no. We, we i can cut that out if you want <laughs> no i you don't know absolutely okay i'm, I'm, I'm so sorry he won't say anything I'm, he doesn't want to say yeah okay i promise yeah <laughs> I mean, I I think it's important. One of the things about Star Trek is you like that question is important. And and I think I mean, you just um, listening to your previous episode with uh, the forget his name. um, Oh, Thomas. Thomas, the Lego guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was talking about how uh, personal crises or personal struggles is what drove him to Star Trek. And one of the things like in getting all this, I mean, I read we read. Um, thousands of thousands of messages from fans because of you know Shuttlepod show and yeah. uh, they so many I had no idea but Connor and Dominic knew but we're just learning how many people's lives have been positively affected by Star Trek and it was especially people who are going through trauma yeah and I mean it's in- it's inspiring it's it's inspirational and it's hopeful and it it's part of that software future it gives us uh, instead of a, a, an apocalyptic view of the future, it, what what can we be if we work together? Uh, yeah, and respect yeah. each other. That's always been so important. Yeah, absolutely. My I've I've spoken a number of times about my father who served in Vietnam. Yeah. So uh, you know, any sort of rest, reprieve from the chaos of the house uh, that I found amongst the crew of the enterprise D you know, was, was always great for me growing up. And uh, yeah, it's, I, the wife and I went to dragon con this past summer and we heard a a story, a very sweet story of um, this uh, father who was introduced to star Trek by his father. And then with strange new worlds, he was able to introduce his son to strange new worlds and at one point they had the three of them able to watch star trek together and it was such a heartwarming uh tale of this sort of generational fandom with uh with star trek it's so great to hear those stories and see that it does it it reaches beyond a time period it reaches further i mean we're coming up on 60 years 
of, yeah. of Star Trek. Like it, it, it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I think that's an excellent question, by the way. Uh, the, the Can you hear my stomach growling? No, no. My stomach it, is growling. It's not stopping. I haven't, eaten, oh. <laughs> I haven't eaten anything yet. I was wondering if you could hear it. No, no, it's my, I, I'm not picking yeah. it up. Well, I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, no, I think that's an excellent question. And I didn't mean to take us, take us off on a tangent, but, uh, uh, and I was just telling, <laughs> I was just, I just, I wrote a note that says, uh, uh, you watch Star Trek because of me and I'm your daddy. I've tried to see if my wife would be into the whole daddy thing. Oh, it's a weird thing. Yeah. You have to either be into it or not. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's I've, what I mean I've, by it's a weird thing. You're into it or you're not. I don't mean. Yeah. And I've joked, I've joked with her about it, uh, you know, a couple of times and you, you can just see her just. Oh, you told her who's your daddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah no it's it's okay you know the, maybe find something else she likes <laughs> oh yeah yeah we, we we've we've we found our groove for sure <laughs> and what group would that be <laughs> oh no this is the interview goes the other direction i'm glad you asked um, <laughs> okay all right quick story this might hit the cutting room floor but i gotta tell you you guys have been so cool. So um, my birthday, my birthday is the day after Christmas. So growing oh, up. Happy upcoming birthday. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so growing up, it was really hard for me to have a party with all my friends because they're either, you know, with family or they're out of town. So my birthday kind of got pushed aside. Yeah. Well, my, when my wife and I started dating, she was like, you know what? I'm going to change all that. And um, I'm also a big Star Wars fan and everything. So um, when I came home from my third shift job on my birthday, uh, she was like, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's go to the movies and everything. I was just like, okay, yeah. And we went to the movies, we came home. By that point, I am tired. So I crash on the couch hard. And a few hours later, she's, you know, gently shaking me by my shoulders. Honey, it's, you know, happy birthday. She had gotten my Star Wars cookbooks and made a whole bunch of Star Wars themed treats. She got me, she got me a, a, a brown hooded, you know, robe and, uh, you know, one of those plastic, one of those really big plastic lightsabers you flick and it, you know, extends out yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah. She goes, I've invited all your friends over. We're going to watch the movies. We're going to eat and just have a, and just have a big old time. And we did that. And it was so great. I was just like, oh, we're going to be together forever. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really sweet. So the night goes on. A uh, few people, you know, oh, okay, well, it's getting late. Got to run. Okay. Appreciate you stopping by. Everybody leaves. She goes, I got one more present for you. I said, okay. She goes, go make yourself busy for about 10 minutes. Said, All right. So uh, I go into the other room. Yeah. Yeah. I go into the other room. I start checking my email, whatever. And then I hear the bedroom door open and her go, okay, I'm ready. She had gotten a custom, a custom made slave Leia. You, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> with with the choker and six feet of chain i was like oh, oh that's a good birthday that's yeah. a good birthday i was like that's we are we, we are gonna be together forever <laughs> and i knew you were going to someplace awesome or i would have interrupted you i wanted to ask if you thought your friends came to your birthday because they're such good friends of yours or if you think because they were lured in by promise of star wars uh you know what 
neither would surprise me you know they're oh i'm clearly just here to watch star wars but okay yeah yeah i get that (laughs) um but anyways yeah these these uh we're gonna be together forever yeah we are we're gonna be together forever (laughs) but yeah it's uh it's such a fun it's such a fun thing to to dive into uh this story set amongst the stars and this new chapter letting it be that true reflection of who we are and who we are as a society and where how far we've come how much further we have to go and i think they even touched on that in that first episode of strange new worlds where pike beams into the middle of this argument and goes hey we've been here let me show you a couple clips from cnn (laughs) how bad it can really get and uh you know i i just think that this you know with this being that first new step in this version of Trek, I think this really just sets the stage for all the way to now with where we're at with new Trek. And, uh, but it also really tied in a lot of stuff that was set forth in the shows that came before and with Enterprise, because there towards the end of season four, we've got some uh, interactions with the Klingons where they lose their ridges. And we see that version of the Klingons show up again in TOS. Mm-hmm. But the versions that we've got here was everyone that wasn't affected by those episodes in Enterprise. So it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting track to watch from Enterprise into Discovery and eventually well, into TOS. And what a fan thing or, or you know, for the writers who have to have been fans of the show. Yeah. Because, like, the idea of doing things for your fans, it's like, okay, yeah, that happens. That's, you know, that's your audience. But what, something like fixing the fact that Klingons looked like humans with paint in the 60s. Uh (laughs) And then in the next generation, because of the motion pictures, they had ridges. Uh, Fixing that in your lore, what a fan thing to do. And what a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, To give it some story as to why, you know, why did it look goofy in the original series? Right. You know, I think uh, after season three of Enterprise, you know, Manny Cotto kind of, Manny Cotto got the reins and it was kind of like, all right, oh, and- we, we've done We've done a great job of like setting up who these characters are. And they just came out of this season long, Zin- it's the Zindi War. They yeah. just finished this big, long thing. What next? And I yeah, feel which like- none of it was canon. It was all new yeah. Star Trek stuff. And then to go to a, a you know a couple of episodes like the augments where it's so entrenched in canon, it yeah. touches on so it touches on the next generation, it touches on the original series, it touches on it just in so many directions. It's uh, it was yeah. It in back fact, that's a fan show. Yes, that was a fun thing that I figured out was okay. Honestly, with the uh, with the the three part series featuring Brent Spiner there on Enterprise that kind of makes a complete circle because you get Brent Spiner on Enterprise, which leads to the uh, Space Seed, which mm-hmm. leads to Wrath of Khan and eventually TNG with the introduction of Data and he makes it back to his dad. And then in Picard, we see them go back in time and it's revealed that, you know, the Sungs had plans for the Augments and it kind of completes this full circle. And that's, like you said, just such a great, fan thing to do to connect 
all of those things over multiple shows over multiple decades it's it's really really great um i wasn't such a fan of these intentionally sexy uh augment outfits yeah ripped (laughs) ripped very specifically specifically to be sexy yeah yeah like oh i'm i've been abandoned on a planet it's like no no, no. You, you manufactured those like come yeah, on <laughs> made those look sexy yeah well it's because i think that was a discussion with uh whoever i had uh that was a guest on for those episodes was like is it because they are just super strong and are ripping out of their clothes like Rulu <laughs> ferrigno like is that the vibe we're supposed to get from them or are they just working and fighting and just doing stuff so hard that that no clothes can contain them like what is going on with the rips in the clothing i don't get it but yeah the... sex sells right yeah yeah enterprise, enterprise was trying to be sexy star trek for sure right right yeah there was there was a lot of that and you know every it seemed like every version of star trek Again, from from the narrative that we see on scene and uh, on screen, and then you hear stuff going on behind the scenes of kind of like, okay, this is where they had to. Some, somebody said, "Hey, it's got to be sexy." Yeah. All right. Sexy bedraggled clothing. I mean, you go as sexy angel or sexy kitty cat to Halloween. So. Uh, <laughs> I was close. I was very close this year. This year, the sexy kitty cat. So, it was a cute slash sexy kitty cat. Well, it was cute because I was going to go as a ball of yarn. Yeah. We're going to oh, have to. Oh, that's perfect. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to wrap him up. That'd be awesome. That'd be so great. I'll take uh, a sexy, I'll leave, you know, uh, if those were. Yeah. The, the <laughs> wife and I can the, hang out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like yeah. Get the Ricardo Montalban <laughs> cleavage of just like, how are his, how, how are his pecs that perky? Like, woo. Well, after I got the costume, I was like, oh, man, we should have gone as Star Trek characters. What, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I've tried to convince the wife because <laughs> uh, like, I was like, hey, just, you know, you can throw on a solid color dress, pull your hair up in a bun and you're from TOS. She's like, Perfect. I'm not I'm not doing it. I was like, what if it was a black dress and you could be from Section 31? She's like, oh, I don't know what that is. I was like, OK, all right, fine. <laughs> whatever (laughs) Uh, that's awesome yeah she's she's great i'll 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 convince her i'll convince her one of these days to to don a costume yeah you will (laughs) i'll do it for you i mean your birthday party was a good example Uh, we haven't done we've done a we've done star wars we did a batman one oh she and i went and she and i went one year as joker and harley quinn for 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 you were no 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 she she looks way better in the dress than i do but she like she did like you know the black and red she even separated her lipstick like black red and then black and red on this she go was she in the 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 oh she yeah she had the she had the t-shirt thing she had she had her own take she kind of had like a a tutu and and tall socks but then she had like the big orange um arkham asylum prison mm-hmm. uniform and i was like that's pretty cool because i think that's she cool. rocked like a bustier underneath it but she had it closed and all that i actually went i had my head shaved at the time Oof. so i did a bunch of green in my beard and uh and then i took i dipped my hands in white paint and then just kind of smeared it back over my head so it looked oh. 
And I did like black lines, like a football player would have like under, underneath the, underneath my eyes. And then I just uh, dipped my hand in some red paint and smeared it up one side. So I had like a, a half smile. It was, it was kind of creepy look. And I also had a, I had a death of Superman t-shirt. So I had the super S, but it was all bloody. I was like, that's it. It worked. It looked good. I assume you posted those on the internet. Yeah, I think uh, yes, yes, I did. I I posted those on my uh, on my Instagram. I'll uh, I'll shoot them to you later because they. they I, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> well, you know, I'll find you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, with anything good, bad. Uh, there's all kinds of people involved. So with these uh, episodes of Star Trek, we ask, we, we ask. What's up, bro? <laughs> we're what, we're what, an hour and a half into this? And you, I knew you were going to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so we ask the question we do every week, who do we blame? So the girl who made the stars, I'm going to start with the guest star, Mr. Kenrick Green as Mike Burnham. He has a, a short resume here. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights. His first credit was They're Just My Friends from 2006. But then he got his first TV credit, Evil Eye, at season one, episode eight. That was in 2012. And then he did 26 episodes of The Walking Dead, um, starting with season six, episode one in 2015. And then uh, his first appearance in the franchise was in Discovery, but it was in season two, episode 11, Perpetual Infinity. And uh, so I have a feeling with Enterprise, we kept seeing a lot of folks pop up from uh, Quantum Leap and a couple of other key shows. I have a feeling The Walking Dead is going to be a big reoccurring pull for some uh, for some fun actors here. Well, but, that's uh, a game that I, I used to play with some of my producing colleagues. Anytime we'd find out that a casting director we knew was announced on some project, we would guess what who the cast would be given. Of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. You can tell who's going to be in an episode of anything once you figure out who the casting director is. <laughs> that's so fun. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, The Girl Who Made the Stars was directed by Latunde Osansami. Um I think I met. I was looking at it, and it's such a like it's such a unique name. You don't see yeah. that name very often. I think I met her at, at. I think she pitched something. She had just won some award. Yeah, uh, I saw that uh, they got started with their writing, directing, and editing this short. It's hot. Uh, from two thousand. Yeah. I couldn't find that because I was like, I really wanted to see what that was about, but couldn't come across it anywhere. I'm super curious about it because I think it involves. Uh, their family uh, back in, in Uganda, or I, there's so much, I, and I've taken too many shots to the head to remember everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, comedian, I'm always getting hit in the head. I, I yeah, exactly. That's a re there's a reason I keep a set list on the stool when I go and perform. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a. Uh, they also uh, directed and co-wrote some low-budget horror films, The Cavern in 2005, and The Fourth Kind in 2009 with collaborator uh, Terry Lee Robbins. And then starting in 2015, uh, they worked on a bunch of genre television like uh, six episodes of Falling Skies, uh, Under the Dome, Extent, Last Ship, Minority Report. Uh, if you've listened to this show before, you know I love Philip K. Dick and especially uh, Minority Report. 
2016, uh, they did episodes of Sleepy Hollow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Blind Spot, featuring Marvel's Jamie Alexander, Critical Roles, Ashley Johnson, and Picard's Michelle Hurd. Uh, and then in 2017, uh, they would also get some episodes of Gotham, Colony, Bates Motel, and uh, the first appearance in the franchise, Star Trek Discovery, Season 1, Episode 4, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. And then The Girl Who Made the Stars was written by Brandon Schultz. I actually wrote uh, a tweet out to Brandon Schultz to get some clarification about the timeline of his background. And he was very kind to answer me back. So a uh, quick shout out to Brandon Schultz, the writer of The Girl Who Made the Stars. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time and answering some of my questions. But uh, Brandon Schultz comes from a Hollywood family. His mom is Gloria Schultz, a.k.a. Lauren Jones, who played Raheem's mom in Juice back in 1992. His dad is director Michael Schultz. And uh, you might not know the name, but he's got a couple of credits that you may have heard of. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band from 1978. Uh the sequel to Steve Martin's The Jerk, titled The Jerk 2. That was a 1984 TV movie. And then uh, Michael Schultz actually directed uh, Deep Space Nine's Nana Visitor in the TV movie of The Spirit. That was back in 1987. He also did our next second to next next guest or the one. Oh, really? Yeah. She, you know, I. You heard I, it here first. Yay! <laughs> I, I would really love to talk to her sometime. She seems like she's very, very sweet. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, he would also do uh six episodes and five TV movies involving Young Indiana oh, yeah. Jones. Did you, did you guys ever watch any of the Young yeah. Indiana Jones stuff back in the day? Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Indiana Jones. In fact, last Christmas I found one of those. Uh, wooden pyramid safe puzzles and I got it for my wife and put a bunch of uh, jewelry inside of it, locked it up, sealed it up. And then the clues I actually gave her in a notebook, but I structured them as if they were Indiana Jones's journal. So I had like little uh, cutouts of different paintings and different clues and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she opened it up and read it. She's like, Dr. Henry Jones Jr., who is that? And I was like, oh, I gave you a gift for me. Henry, <laughs> the dog's name was Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> the dog? You are named after the dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, but anyways, uh, Michael uh, Michael Schultz uh, also did some episodes of Charmed, Touched by an Angel, Gilmore Girls, Chuck, Arrow, Once Upon a Time, and Black Lightning. But Brandon Schultz's first credit was Cooley High in 1975 when he was six months old. Uh, Cooley High was directed by Michael Schultz, and the casting director was his mom, Gloria. Uh, Ten years later, he would do The Last Dragon in 1985, again uh, under the direction of his father, and this time dialect coach Gloria Schultz. Uh, Then he would graduate from Morehouse College just down the road from here in Atlanta. Um, And through the 90s and early and into the early 2000s, he would work in various departments on various projects until he was the writer and producer of a little animated short Blade Bloodthirsty. That's Blade from Marvel Comics. And uh, in fact, Bloodthirsty, I believe, is a special feature 
on the Blade Trinity DVD. And then he would also um, go on and write and produce the 2009 web series Blockheads. And then uh, the Vulcan Hello is his first appearance in the franchise. And speaking of the Vulcan Hello, the teleplay was written by Akiva Goldsman, whose first credit writing was The Client in 1994, directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, this was followed by Batman Forever, Time to Kill, Batman and Robin, Lost in Space, A Beautiful Mind, uh, which got him an Oscar and a Golden Globe. And along with Cinderella Man in 2005, he has gotten two nominations for BAFTAs. And then after turning in scripts for Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, he would do 19 episodes of J.J. Abrams' Fringe from 2009 to 2012. And then half a dozen screenplays later, this. This is his first uh, his first appearance in the in the timeline, and uh, the story was also done uh, with Brian Fuller, uh, whose first credit. This is one of those rare things. First credit was Star Trek, but it was a couple of episodes of Deep Space Nine, specifically season five, episode eleven, "The Darkness and the Light" from nineteen ninety seven, and then that same year, season five, episode twenty four, "Empok Nor." Uh, both of those were directed by Mike Vahar, who actually did quite a bit of directing on Star Trek Enterprise. And uh, the story was also done by Alex Kurtzman, uh, started off on some Sam Raimi productions, Hercules, Xena, Jack of All Trades. And then he got into the Bad Robot game with 10 episodes of Alias. And the early aughts brought his first theatrical endeavors with The Island, directed by Michael Bay. You got, uh, uh, I didn't want to say her name wrong, but... Uh... Someone that I've worked with for years who was a student of my writing partner and uh, worked for me, uh, Rebecca Resnick, is Akiva Goldsmith's development executive now. Really? Yeah, so my writing partner and I have uh, two projects set up with him and his company, but Star Trek has sort of taken over his life so much. Oh, yeah. There's a show about a, a lawyer uh, set up at, at Fox. I actually used to work at a law firm, so I'm always curious about the interlegal workings and some of the contract law that's involved. Oh my with my writing stuff. partner is an entertainment lawyer. Uh, oh. He went to law school, and then he went into motion picture development. Uh, wow. That's how we met 22 years ago at Paramount. Oh, that's wild. Um, so he's always talking about the lawyer, all that shit. <laughs> Too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> why we work together i'm talented and you are a lawyer yeah, yep. <laughs> boy <laughs> lawyers can be talented sure 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 it's just not in shane's case yeah <laughs> <laughs> well uh alex kurtzman would also go on to do uh legend of zorro uh starring of course antonio banderas and Catherine zeta jones and then mission impossible 3 directed by jj abrams starring tom cruise michelle monaghan ving rames and simon Pegg, who would make an appearance later in the franchise and then uh another uh another film transformers in 2007 directed by michael bay and then his first appearance in the franchise uh is jj's 2009 star trek and then the episode was directed by david semmel yeah i'm sorry to stop you again but it's no like, yeah yeah i have stories about every one of these names that are in this the vulcan hello list i have Beat stories about yeah let's start at the top what do you got well, i don't <laughs> <laughs> i like we could do a whole episode on on uh, it's just you know like i've worked with ethan phillips obviously then there's the star trek connection uh you know you like antonio banderas Catherine zeta jones My, i've got the best michael bay story of all time was uh 
told by Sean Connery at the the what the sushi restaurant out in Malibu, the fancy one. Yeah. Um, um, no. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh my God! Like, if you've got a decent Sean Connery impression, I think you kind of have to do the story on the podcast. Oh, I don't know. You, well, you said that <laughs> you can't use foul language. We have to minimize it. So that's fair. That's fair. We'll, we'll save. We'll save uh, yeah, it for no. the post show. We'll, we'll save that one. <laughs> All you got to do is, uh, what's his, the SNL guy, uh, the Jeopardy. Will Ferrell used to host Jeopardy on Yes, Saturday. yes. And one of the SNL guys would do Sean Connery screwing, you know, like toying with Will Ferrell's Alex Trebek yes. as Sean Connery. Uh, it was very funny. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, he's the announcer now. He he took over uh, the Don Pardo Oh, did he? Role. Yeah. Yeah. For, he's for, he's the for, announcer now. Um. Oh, God. I'm gonna lose my comedy card first i'll start with an open-handed slap <laughs> that was um, it's not anyway i don't mean to interrupt it's just i keep like i'm trying to keep note in my mind of something funny to say and it's like there's just too many, there's too many uh, yeah no yeah I'm it's uh, up on this whole section yeah please because uh I I um uh, I love that sort of thing and I, the fans do too. They love all the sort of inside track, you know, stories behind the stories, as it were. Well, we can we can do that for your Patreon. Yeah, of course, of course. So, uh, David Simmel, after well, his first credit was directing five episodes of the twenty-four episodes total of something called Open House, and it's basically a comedic look at the real estate business. Uh, but it featured comedian Ellen DeGeneres for twenty-four episodes and voiceover artist and legend Arlene Sorkin for three episodes. Uh, he would also direct four episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, three episodes of Roswell, two episodes of Angel, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree. I'm sure. His feature-length solo directing to debut was Lone Star State of Mind in 2002, starred Joshua Jackson, Jamie King, Ryan Hurst, DJ Qualls, and Thomas Hayden Church. And then we've got uh, three episodes of American Horror Story from 2011 to 2012, and then episodes of Hannibal, The Strain, and The Man in the High Castle. And this is this is his only appearance in the franchise, but he's he's a great director. I hope he ends up coming back for some more Star Trek. Then we've got uh, the guest stars. Now, we've uh, mentioned Michelle Yeoh before as Philippa Giorgio. We absolutely love her. The last time we talked about her was Short Treks Season 1, Episode 3, The Brightest Star, which we discussed with comedian Patrick Cunningham back on Episode 83. And then we get Mary Chifo as Laurel. And her first credit was something called Natural Disasters in 2008, playing Young Beth, which was written and directed by Zach Horton. But it stars her mother, Beth Grant, as Beth. And I thought that was an interesting uh, interesting little uh, trivia there. She actually got to play the young version of her mom. Uh, but her uh, Mary's first appearance in the franchise was actually Star Trek Online, the 2010 video game, playing Laurel seven years before the Vulcan Hello. So I think this might be the first instance of a franchise character being portrayed in a video game and then being reprised by the same actor later in canon. Does that seem like that holds water? I've never heard of it, but then um, the only start, there's two Star Trek games that I got into. And, and just the first one was Interplay's, the original series video game, computer game. Okay. Like the 90s. Oh. 
because you know like 12 floppy disks had to go in and right right yeah i got frustrated at some level that was too hard and i gave it up but it was a uh, it was a good game star i don't know what it was called maybe it was just called star trek but then yeah. uh, the birth of the federation was the other star trek game i played oh nice oh, i'm not familiar with any of these star trek games yeah there's there's i have I have three Star Trek games on my phone right now. Oh, <laughs> I've got the Timelines, Fleet Command, and Lower Decks, and uh, they're a lot of fun. There's, uh, I know, I know Jonathan Frakes directed one of them. I think it was something to do with the Klingons. Uh, I can't remember exactly though, but yeah, there's so many of them. There's a ton of them. Uh, but then we've also got uh, moving along with the guest stars. We've got James Frain as Sarek. Uh, he's got a bit of a lengthy career. I'll try to hit some of the highlights here. Uh, his first credit, uh, Soldier, Soldier, Season 3, Episode 5. Then uh, his first film was Shadowlands in 1993. That was starring Anthony Hopkins and Deborah Winger. Then he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt, Season 7, Episode 8. Then he would work with Anthony Hopkins again, uh, this time in one of those modern takes on Shakespeare that were so popular in the mid-90s and early aughts. Uh, this was Titus in 1999. You're shaking your head. Are you disappointed at the Shakespeare or disappointed at Titus? <laughs> I think uh, the popularization of modernizing Shakespeare, of modern takes on Shakespeare is silly. <laughs> I'm not poo-pooing. I think it's great. No, no. It's, it's yeah. I, it, I mean... <laughs> Kenneth Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet seems to be like like that that one's that one everybody seems to be okay with. Um I'm not. not you're not? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I, I mean, I'm big fans of, I'm a big fan of Hamlet and I you know I think that uh you know Yeah. I I really I I've, just, I, I've never really been able to get into the the modern takes on it. You know, put it to rock and roll all you want, I'm not going to think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, the one that they did with Ethan Hawke was interesting but very dark which i guess actually makes sense um uh, the coen brothers. the coen brothers they just did uh what they do last year the one oh, only they... it's not winter's tale no no no, no. It, was, it was no it was a uh, come on it's the play the scottish play oh macbeth macbeth i'm a moron uh yeah, not i'm not supposed to say that <laughs> oh it's so good it was so good that was oh yeah oh good. um fastbender Fast, is that oh, Mike Fassbender? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did. I don't think I finished uh, that. I did see some of that. It's cool. And yeah. Francis McDormand. Oh yeah. I mean, Baz Luhrmann with his Romeo and Juliet. Uh, <sighs> stop trying to be cool, Baz. <laughs> it's. I mean, it is definitely a slice of the '90s for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just. I mean, it is a slice of the '90s good or bad <laughs> like pictures of me from the 90s you should just put it away yeah yeah <laughs> put it back in its shoebox exactly well after uh after titus he would go on to do the count on monte cristo in 2002 uh that stars a pre-passion of the christ jim caviezel a post-memento guy pierce a pre-community luis guzman and a pre-man of steel henry cavill henry cavill looks like he's about 15 or 16 there he looks like an absolute oh, baby <laughs> uh he would also go and star uh guest star in two episodes of fringe eight episodes of true blood he had a small role in tron legacy in 2010 uh 10 episodes of the cape uh he was in the lone ranger the 2013 movie and then uh eight episodes of grim 
uh, one episode of Sleepy Hollow, two episodes of Agent Carter. I, Agent Carter doesn't get as much love as it should. That was a really great show and ended before its time. 21 episodes of Gotham from 2015 to 2016 and eight episodes of Orphan Black. And this is his first appearance in the franchise. And then we've got Mr. Malik Pancali. I believe it's pronounced. It's either Pancali or Panchali. Do you know? I, I don't. No, I don't. Know. I would have guessed Pancali. Yeah, I think it's, I'm going to go with Pancali. Internet, correct me. Uh, uh, he appears here as CMO Dr. Anton Nabu. Uh, he started off with USA High episode one season, or excuse me, season one, episode 50, Jackson Moves Out, and then an episode of Felicity, which of course was co-created by J.J. Abrams. Then he did 27 episodes of Weeds, uh, role Sanjay, which he would reprise uh, with 57 episodes of Sanjay and Craig. That was starting in 2013. He did 62 episodes of 30 Rock starting in 2006 as Jonathan. I absolutely loved 30 Rock. And he was, <laughs> he had a bunch of really great bits uh, playing off of Alec Baldwin there. I really enjoyed that. He was, he was uh, Alec Baldwin's assistant, right? Yeah, yeah. This is that he just treated like that crap. Go together? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then he would go on and do 112 episodes of Phineas and Ferb, uh, 22 episodes of the short-lived Whitney series uh, starting in 2011. And then this is his only appearance in the franchise. I'm not sure if it's implied that he died in the episode or we just don't see him anymore. I'm not sure, but I would like to see him. Well, I guess I guess we wouldn't see him pop back up in Discovery. He'd have to resurface in probably Strange New Worlds if he was going to come on. Rotten Tomatoes actually reported a hundred percent approval rating at one point. Uh, eight of, point of this uh, episode, really? Yeah, for yeah, for the Vulcan. Hello, yeah. Wow. Uh, That's deserved too. I it's one of the best Star Trek episodes, I think. Yeah, really, really solid. Maureen Ryan of Variety gave some muted praise, saying the series quote has yet to prove itself a worthy successor to Next Gen or Deep Space Nine. Uh, but there are reasons to hope that Discovery will be a promising addition to the Trek canon. And I think, you know, five years later we see, yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, at Vox, Emily Vanderwerf also gave a very positive review, uh, feeling that the episodes uh, had all the strengths and flaws of classic Trek, um, praised Burnham as the protagonist. The best thing about her is that she does stuff. She gets into trouble, breaks rules, violates Starfleet protocol. She has emotions that get the best of her, even as she knows they shouldn't. Uh, she is, in other words, very human, end quote. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're on board with Burnham from the word go. And that's another reason I wanted to show the girl who made the stars as the cold open for the Vulcan hello, so that we kind of get that very first glimpse of our main protagonist and her interactions uh, regarding the world beyond her own uh, as brought to her by her father with the story of this, uh, of this young girl in Africa. Uh, it's such a great, it's such a great character moment and a really sweet moment between a father and a daughter. And I really love it. And then to see her get thrust into some heavy trauma, like right off the bat in season one, I feel like just pulls the audience in uh, whether you were ready for it or not. But anyways, uh, Patrick Cooley of Cleveland.com called the series a bitter disappointment, 
citing bad dialogue, poor storytelling, and bewildering, bewilderingly stupid characters. Um, I think Mr. Cooley might need a nap. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Cooley can cool down. <laughs> yeah, geez Louise. <laughs> I mean, I, don't get me wrong, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but like, what episode were you watching? <laughs> right. Uh, but in 2017, GameSpot ranked this as the number one best pilot episode of a Star Trek series to date. That's high praise. Like, it's especially also, yeah, where 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 Patrick Cooley is a little <laughs> yeah. Mid. This it's, one GameSpot's a little too yeah. It's, it's too I you know I cobbled together some of these just because they did seem to be like all over the map. It's kind of like. It's not just a simple well, you love it or you hate it. It's like there's people chiming in from every which way about these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, and, you know, for uh, for all the bad press it gets, you know, I think it, it it's something really special. And it was actually nominated for two visual effects awards in 2018 from the Visual Effects Society. So nobody's phoning this in like they're doing some really fantastic stuff here. So. Let me ask you both the question I've been asking for uh, for months now. Is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the first time, is the Vulcan Hello, we'll just focus on the Vulcan Hello, but is the Vulcan Hello essential viewing? Is it essential to the overall narrative? Is it essential to a specific plot train or character track? Is this essential viewing? My answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. No questions asked. Hands yeah. down. Vulcan Hello is essential viewing. And yeah. it's it's super high on the list of episodes I would consider being the first thing I ever showed someone who had never seen Star Trek before. Oh, really? That's yeah. fun. Especially like if someone today had never seen any Star Trek, uh, then it's like, well, how can I show them something that will be such a departure from what they're used to seeing nowadays? Yeah. So as to, you know, you can't just throw somebody into those first couple of episodes of the original series unless they're prepared for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, unless you unless they're already sort of. But anyone who's into that kind of campy, low budget, you know, television history stuff has already seen Star Trek. So the original series. So, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Erica. And even you... the like the next generation, I wouldn't start somebody with the pilot of the next generation. Really? Yeah, because you know it's terrible. <laughs> That's fair. They That's fair. Figured it yeah. out yet. First season of the Next Generation, they had not figured out anything yet. No, uh, no it wasn't didn't. until season two where it's like, okay, they're fixing some issues, and then season three, it's like they put on their big boy pants, and suddenly they were an amazing show. Very true. In fact, Very I would true. say the first good episode of the Next Generation is the episode where Q uh, prematurely introduces the Enterprise to the Borg. Yeah. And the first time you see the board, that is the, the first really great The Next Generation episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that tracks because I always have to remind people like, yeah, watch Encounter at Farpoint again. Picard's a jerk. <laughs> like, oh, he's a jerk from the there's word the whole, go. There's a military thing going on. You can feel some of that stilted writing from the late yeah. 60s or the 70s still there. Like, I mean, they fixed it quick. Yeah. Um, I think there was some miscast going on. It sounds uh, our this podcast, and this should be a compliment, not an insult. Probably will sound better to the viewers than uh, or the listeners of it than that first year of the Next Generation. And the Next oh, Generation wow. was on television. 
I will absolutely take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Erica, what, what, Erica, what about you? Uh, you know, in terms of because you're a newer fan, you know, do you second guess of like, oh, I started here, but maybe I should have started here or something like that? Well, how, do you, how do you feel about this being essential viewing? In the beginning, I felt that way. I was, um, but because there's so much of it. There's so, it's such, it's a whole world and over 60, almost 60 years, right? So. Right, right. <laughs> it's kind of, um, at first I was like, I want to find a way to watch all of this in, a, in either the consecutive order. And yeah. then I kind of gave up on that because you always have it in the background, Mark, and kind of randomly sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to just embrace whatever we're watching at the moment. And I find it all I'm so curious to the whole world that I find it all very interesting. If I watched the original series to begin with, I, I may have been a little thrown off or like think differently of it. Yeah. But because um, I've started with Enterprise and we've been, you know, watching the other shows, I found it so fascinating that that's where it started. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Well, um, and it's and I was like, this has evolved into something so. What yeah, you're like, absolutely you're absolutely right, and I think there's different as well. Yeah, yes, very much so. And yeah. I think if you look at, uh, you know, as you do journey through uh, the franchise, there, Erica, about you know when you do get to TOS and you start making your way through that, it's interesting to see the divide between season two and season three. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that's when Gene left. Uh, Gene Ronberry, uh, you know, different reasons we don't have time to get into now, but like he left the show and the show changed, uh, you know, some, right. some would say for the better, most would say probably for the worse, right. <laughs> but you know, TNG... I thought it was for the better. Oh, really? I thought the original I the series, one. uh, season three is my favorite. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, I, know, maybe, know... I mean, look, it might just, I don't necessarily know that it's the influence of the departure of Gene Ronberry uh maybe it was that it got a higher budget maybe uh, maybe so. you know because tng had tng had a nose noticeable difference uh early on i want to say between season two and three were ninth day like different shows yeah i was gonna say it's either two and three or three and four i couldn't remember which but yeah uh you know as you know as the guard as the guard changes budgets fluctuate casting differences and stuff well, like and, that and, and actors um find themselves in the roles they settle into their role right the uh, actors either become that character or the character kind of just becomes the personality of the actor mm. yeah and yeah. it seems like a couple it. seasons for that to happen to continue yeah and i and again you know us talking about the differences of you know different seasons of tos and tng is part of the reason why the hardcore fans are so are are just so all about strange new worlds because it seems like it's so fully formed from the word go in yeah. character development story um uh plot uh the uh, everything down to the sets and the aesthetic like it's it just seems like oh did were there more seasons that I missed of this? This can't be season one, but yeah, yeah, it's wild. Well, um, again, Erica, Mark, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough so much for carving out the time to sit and nerd out with me a little bit about Star Trek. Uh, again, I know you guys are just uh, slammed to the rafters with your schedules, but 
thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, share about the episode of the franchise, uh, your experience on the show here today? Uh, Anything you'd like to leave us with? (laughs) Watch Discovery. It's good. It's really good. These first two episodes in particular are really phenomenal television. Um, This podcast, uh, I'm glad that uh, we, I think, how did we meet? Todd, this is great. I, I've been I just, I just continue. I just continued to bother you guys online. <laughs> just tagged you, I just tagged you in everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you also pinned a uh, your Twitter feed last February, and it's still there. I yeah, think I looked earlier today, uh, asking for uh, some sort of collab oh, yeah. yeah, between us and the Delta Flyers. No, oh. and your show. Which yes, yes. If uh, anyone I, could moderate that, it seems like it would be you. Oh, that's you know very sweet of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really get excited to sit down with someone who knows everything about Star Trek because oh, <laughs> see, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> I'm actually about to go. I'm actually about to go on the Trexperts quiz show that's uh, out oh. of uh, out of Australia. Oh heavens. I, and I just listened to one Give of the Give me on episodes. as a teammate. Oh. I, I, you know what? If I if I knew you would have been down, I'd have absolutely called you. <laughs> yeah, um, you would have for sure. The, their most recent episode, all the questions were from the technical manual of mm. the Enterprise D. I was just like, I don't stand a chance on this oh, show. <laughs> I used to own that book. Did you? Uh, I mean, I thought I was doing good with my Klingon dictionary and I got the rules <laughs> of acquisition up there on the wall. But I, I mean, I need... I need the tech manuals, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, folks. Oh, what did the word of the day mean? Uh, mutiny. Oh, that's right. Yes. And you know what? In 80 some episodes, that's the first time somebody's asked and the first time I've answered. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I almost <laughs> never say what it means. I Yeah, I was waiting for it. And I was like, oh, it's going to come full circle or something. And then I was like, oh, we're getting to the end. And we don't know what, the, what, what it means yet. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife was like, aren't you ever going to say? Nope. Duolingo's, Duolingo's out there. They can go find it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, folks, you've heard that no human man can resist the alluring dance of an Orion slave girl. But we know there's way more to the Orion people than just jiggly parts. Next week, we will be joined by one of those mysterious green women from Star Trek Enterprise. Dancer, actor, dog mom, human mom, the lovely and talented Menina Fortunato, will be on the big show to discuss Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 2, Battle at the Binary Stars, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Eric and Mark, you guys are involved in some sort of podcast or something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What what can you say? What what is in store for folks? Because you guys are just starting up your new season, correct? Correct, yep. Yes, can you t- can yeah. you tease some stuff about what we may see or hear in Shuttle Pod Show this season? Um, we have a lot of great guests coming. <laughs> yes, very per usual. <laughs> and we, we uh, we're going. I don't know when this broadcast uh, or goes live, but uh, Walter Koenig is going is our first guest of season two. Oh wow! November twenty seventh. Yeah, so next Sunday, a week from it's Thanksgiving this week. Uh, so it's Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving Sunday. Yes. And that's going to be followed the, and every Sunday our episodes go live and, uh, the following week will be Andy Robinson from Deep Space Nine, uh, played Garrick. 
Then yeah. we'll have Nicole DeBoer, also from Deep Space Nine, who played uh, uh, Dax. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we've got a whole list of people following that. Um, Looking at them right now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we've had some really great... Our first season was more like an experiment. It was like a beta season to sort of figure out how the show was going to work and yeah. uh, what fans responded to. And, you know, we, we've rejiggered it a little bit. Uh, but we had great guests. We've had Rick Berman on. We've had Brandon Braga on. We've had uh, John Billingsley and Anthony Montgomery and uh, Jeff Combs and, you know, uh, Gary Graham and just on and on and on. Yeah. Um, David Livingston. So we're, we're doing more than just actors. We're doing directors and producers and writers. And um, uh, it's a real fun show. Uh, we're really excited about it. In fact, uh, when you were saying that Menina is going to be your guest next week. Yeah. Uh, you should tell her to come and be on our show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I will. It was absolutely. a great episode with Connor and Dominic. But only if you tell all the people that you just mentioned to come on my show. Come on your show. I'll <laughs> tell everybody. No, yeah, I will absolutely send her your way. She's she's been absolutely uh, a, an absolute sweetheart online and in our uh, in our interactions so far. I'm really looking forward to talking with her. Um, where can people find Shuttle Pod Show if they don't know already? Oh, and Shuttle Pod Show too, by the way. Um, so we've started out as an interview show, but we're also going to start doing uh, episode episodes. Uh, where we uh, we sit down and we watch. Uh, we'll start with Enterprise, but we'll move on to other series. Uh, where we watch the episode and then we talk about it and uh, talk about Connor and Dominic's experience on it. Uh, it's a great opportunity for uh, Erica to be uh, to see all this, like her first impression on a lot of these episodes. Of course, uh, right? And then uh, uh, we're gonna have uh, episode relevant guests. So the director or a prominent uh, actor whose character played a big role in that episode. Yeah. Um, so we're doing those, which are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but we're also announcing uh, soon uh, the start of doing live events. Uh, our February 13th is Shuttlepod Show Day. It's the anniversary of the launch of our show. Um, we nice. launched the show by doing a, a table read of Shuttlepod 1, the Enterprise episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think our anniversary is around the same time. I think we were, I think we premiered, I think episode one might have been on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wild. It's like, it's like we're brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, siblings? There we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be weird if we were all siblings. Yeah, yeah. Cousin, cousin, cousin Cass. Yeah, you guys can be siblings. We'll be yeah, siblings. cousin Cass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great. Yeah. So we're, we're going to do a live event and this is, you're the first person to hear, hear about it. I believe, uh, <laughs> we're doing, uh, nice. we're going to have a live event. We're going to be, we're going to do a table read of an episode of a Star Trek episode, uh, uh, on stage, uh, with some notable Star Trek actors and alum. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a bunch of stuff for the fans, let fans have the opportunity to, to win the right to read the play the part of Captain Archer or Subcommander Paul on stage with all these Star Trek actors. And then we'll do like a live panel or a live show, a special uh, with a panel with the fans asking questions and things like that. And then nice. uh, we're going to do have fan activities all day, maybe all weekend. Um, it's really exciting. We're really excited about, about some of the directions that the show is, the community is leading us into. Nice. This amazing Star Trek community. That's awesome. And go ahead and hit them with the social media handles in case they don't know. 
Oh, uh, Shuttlebot Show uh, is free for everyone. Our interviews are free for everyone uh, on YouTube uh, at Shuttlebot Show, youtube.com slash at Shuttlebot Show. Uh, and we've got uh, a lot of premium stuff for uh, Patreon. You just find us Shuttlebot Show on Patreon and all of our social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's just at Shuttlebot Show. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?